Welcome to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Brian Christofferson. I'm joined by Michael Brunts. We don't have Mike Schaefer with us yet. We might, right? Yeah, he was uh, a little little shady on the details. It, it was a, a wedding thing, is what he said. <laughs> yeah. And that could be anything from lobster tasting to shuffling seat assignments at the last minute, or I don't even know what else, but that's a that's a pretty wide runway to uh to, to kind of read into i guess where do you think he's gonna seat us do you think it's possible he could seat us like each on one corner like in the worst table in the very corner of the room uh yeah i think so i i feel like you and i are gonna get stuck at like our own table like there's gonna be like a <laughs> spillover table and it's gonna be like the two of us just like sitting there like with a couple ki- with like three uh, kids kids that we don't know making balloon animals for the kids <laughs> yeah yeah no I I well the <laughs> I made the mistake of making a joke about the seating chart and I don't he, he kind of uh, he no sold it because he asked where I wanted to sit and I said I wanted to sit next to him and uh, th- that there was a long pause in the text <laughs> chain followed by you're not sitting next to me he to Rico to you a little bit. There was if I if I understand the definition of that correctly, yeah, yep, just totally no sold it. So okay, yeah. Um, well, we'll see where we we'll be happy wherever we end up. We're not going to be complainers, and uh, I assume right now he's going through a, a pretty detailed menu. Probably a five course meals coming our way, so we're not going to be complainers. Yeah, old surf and turf Schaefer. That's what's coming down the pike. <laughs> He's not allowing me to DJ, which I once mentioned on a podcast as a possibility. So um, I haven't heard from him yet. It's a little late in the game, so I'm not holding out hope. You just tell me you're going to play all the burned CDs that are underneath your car, your passenger seat in your car. There's some, there's, gonna, some there's some bangers on there. I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it. You're going to get a heavy dose of '90s alternative music at this wedding, and you're going to like it. <laughs> Glycerine's going to come on, and the people are just going to lose their minds. What did they play at your wedding? Well, it segued from collective soul to to some to late '90s hip hop. To come original by Three Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be it. There's a heavy a, dose of Sublime. It was a lovely wedding, but I really wasn't expecting that much Three Eleven to be played. <laughs> what was the most uh, in college? What was the most played CD? that you went through? I don't even know. I'd have to think about that one a little bit more. This would have been like circa 2001 to 05. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I remember a lot of uh, a lot of Nelly being played in the dorms around then. I yeah. didn't, not, not by me, but it was out there. Um. You know who was really popular the weekend I moved into the dorms was Limp Biscuit. <laughs> you gonna see him in Lincoln? They're coming. Yeah, I'm not going to, but I do. <laughs> whatever that the Nookie song or whatever it was, it was yeah. just like blasting from speakers. Kid Rock was pretty popular right then with his "My Name Is Kid." Just, just hear a lot of that. Just imagine if you would have walked down the halls of Harper Shram Smith in like. What was that, 19, 2000? 99 slash 2000, yeah. 
if you would have walked down the the halls of Harperstram Smith and, and told that kid in the random room that was blasting Limp Biscuit that Limp Biscuit would be playing a city sanctioned <laughs> concert in Lincoln twenty years from now, you would have blown their minds. <laughs> Maybe I think. If we had any brains about us, which I probably didn't at that point, we probably could have been like, yeah, that seems about this guy. This guy's got a high point at here pretty quickly. You didn't, you didn't think that Fred Durst had staying power? I thought he had like a year's worth of staying power as much as the Red Yankees hats did. I think that was what his calling card is. He wore the Red Yankee cap backwards. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, my mine was probably the self self titled Sublime CD. I played that over and over again, like it was <laughs> my most cherished possession. Schaefer, your wedding, your first dance as husband and wife is going to be Santeria, <laughs> <laughs> or the Chronic Two Thousand One by Dre. Yeah, there you go. Those, those were that. But anyway, uh, that has nothing to do with Bill Moose, does it? <laughs> I can't. I can't make that segue work, but. <laughs> We can talk um, some Bill Moose. Yeah. Uh, so we've got news happening here. Uh, Nebraska. Bill Moose is still technically the athletic director as of this moment till June 30th. But I think he's enjoying the Montana skyline right now, probably. Yeah, he's, he's got 24 hours in the chair. Um, but I think that chair is in big sky country. So um, wh- where do we want to go with this? Because obviously – what's happened has happened. Um, what will happen is yet to happen. Um, that's true. What were your, <laughs> I guess, what was your, your, your kind of initial thought when the, everything kind of broke that, that, uh, Bill Moose was retiring. Yeah. Um, it was one of those deals where I guess I was sort of slightly surprised, but it wasn't like, uh, it didn't knock me over. Um, I Here's why. I think when he first came here, this is why I'm not going to make this out like it's a big Young and the Restless drama. Like I, I feel like sometimes we want to be like, oh, Nebraska athletics, it's this never-ending thing of drama. And there is truth to that at times. But I don't think this is such a case because when Bill Moose signed up to come here, if you had said, you know what, what's your over-under on how long he's going to be here? given his age and sort of his responsibility to hire some coaches and kind of set that tone and then move on. I would have probably said about four years, three, four years, maybe. And here he is after three and a half years. Now I know I, it seemed like he had intention to stay probably a year or so longer. That's sort of reading between the lines, what you, you get out of the situation. I don't think I'm going out on a limb in thinking that um, by his wording and uh, some of the interviews he's given. Well, he had the bonus too. I mean, the deferred money right. is, is a real thing. Yeah. So he had every reason to want to be here for, you know, one more year. Um, but that said, I can understand without knowing all the particulars behind everything, why this is a good time for Nebraska to shift gears. Uh, for one, the college landscape is basically changing on July 1st, the very date he will not be the AD anymore. And I would say Nebraska has been forward thinking on some stuff like they, they stress the NIL thing as much as anybody, I think to recruits, I don't know who to give credit to that, to attach credit to with that. 
I, and I don't know if it goes to Moose or maybe some people who, uh, you know, some Garrett Classy, Matt Davis, and whoever it is, there, there's been some bright thinking there. Um, but I do think this is a time where you're going to need to find somebody who embraces the challenge and the fact that college athletics is going to have a shifting ground under your feet from now on. And you can't just be someone, and I'm sort of this way, so I'm not picking on anybody. Sometimes it's like, oh, I liked it when it was 1988 or, you know, the way this happened. And it, it's not going to be like that anymore. It's a new ball game. And you've got to have someone who takes this job, who sees like not only what's right in front of them, but can maybe anticipate what the next move is a year, five years down the road. And hopefully it's somebody who has some staying power too, where you can settle someone in for a decade or more. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you lined up everything pretty well. I mean, I think to spin it forward a little bit, I mean, you know, Nebraska is now in the position where, you know, you're, you're in the off season now um, you have a, very important um, season coming up for the football program. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, Bill Moose for the most part hired coaches that I think everybody at the time of the hiring was completely on board with. I mean, you, you've got, you know, the guy that everyone in Scott Frost, you've got Fred Hoiberg who's, you know, hasn't had success um, on the court, but seems to be trending in the right direction. Will Bolt, um, you know, I, I think was an absolute no brainer hire. Um, for Nebraska, you know, winning the big 10, you had a number of, you know, non-revenue sports that, that had their hires made as well. So I agree with you. I, I think, you know, if, if I were kind of ticking off, you know, the, the, the action items for what I would want to see from the next AD, I think you would want to see somebody that's going to be at Nebraska for a while. Like you need somebody, you need, you need some consistency and, you know, I think the one thing that was pretty clear, it became pretty clear in the last year, and obviously that COVID was a challenge and, you know, everybody had to deal with that, but it became pretty clear that Nebraska's place at the table in the Big Ten um, was, not, was not where it needed to be. And also, you know, it was frankly kind of a not a laughing stock, but I mean, it, everybody kind of rolls their eyes. I think when, whenever Nebraska tries to weigh in on things, I don't they think they were with their kids. Like we'll be at the wedding. That's where they were. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, that that's, I think that's the big challenge for the next AD is how do you, aside from just, you know, winning games, which I think is a huge piece of it. I mean, if Nebraska takes care of business on the football field, you can kind of get your elbows out a little bit more at the table and, and throw your weight around a little bit more, but you know, it, it seemed like every time there was something to kind of be fought for, it didn't end up going Nebraska's way, I guess. Yep. Uh, and, please. you know, as, as, and that was the thing that I, I thought was interesting because I, I thought, you know, Nebraska needed somebody like Bill Moose who could be accessible to the media accessible to fans and be that kind of figurehead type person that everybody can feel good about. But the reality of where things are now, you need to be extremely forward thinking. Like you said, you have a very fast moving 
train with this NIL stuff where you've got to get that stuff figured out and, and be ahead of everybody else. Because as, you, as you've seen, I mean, Nebraska has been ahead of this thing for a while, but everybody's kind of, you know, trying to jump in and say that they're ahead of it too. But, you know, you need to be that way for, you know, whatever the next thing is. And I think that's where experience matters. I think that frankly, a little bit of youth matters too. I mean, I think having somebody that's a little bit, um, innovative, I I think helps. Um, but you know, I I think the thing that needs to kind of, the challenge that needs to happen for the next AD aside from the regular fundraising, building stuff, whatever is how do you kind of get Nebraska's athletic department pointed in the right direction of being a a bigger time player besides just, you know, kind of having to stick your chest out and, and say that you are and actually get that respect at the table. Yeah. It's gotta be somebody who really has a presence about them. And there's an opening right now. Cause I feel like, I mean, Gene Smith at Ohio state's obviously a big deal, but you'd have to say who was the big kahuna Barry Alvarez. Right. I mean, it, I mean, it felt like that, like Barry was sort of could say whatever he wanted. And uh, that he, he spoke like someone who, when he went into the room, you're like that guy, probably a lot of time, gets the last say of things and uh he's gone or he's leaving and so now uh i mean there's space maybe for the right presence in that room to kind of carve carve out a spot where you are are a leading voice i I do think you're right though winning's got to be attached to it in football um that's a big part of it because we all know around here ohio state basically thought the exact same stuff as nebraska last year right but they're they were ohio state you know and so they they didn't take the, they didn't take the blowback on that. And to that, I will say this about Bill Moose. I think he sometimes said a few things too many once in a while. And I even say that as a journalist who likes a good, you know, candid quote, but there were a few things where he would say something. I'd be like, he probably didn't need to utter that out loud, but you'd have to say he, he stood up for Nebraska. I mean, he was always, you know, going to go fight for him. But I, I just – he admitted this in interviews sometimes that it was – they weren't winning in these discussions. I mean, maybe the Black Friday one, which was a small peanuts deal to the Big Ten, but right. not Nebraska. But that's about it. So, I don't know. I, I, I do think they can shoot big with this job. Maybe you're, you're think, you'll think I'm overselling it. I'll be interested to hear what you, you say. I actually think this is one position where Nebraska could, you could argue is in near the top tier of like openings in college sports. I wouldn't say that necessarily about certain coaching spots like we used to, but I would say it about the AD spot because you've got a great budget compared to many peers. You're going to get paid probably upwards of 1.1, $1.2 million at least to do the job you got facilities that are really good with basketball and other things. And football is going to be that that's already in motion for you. Mm-hmm. And you've got a fan base that you're the big show in town. So all that said, I think they should, they should shoot their shot for some people and see if, you know, I I'll use Jamie Pollard as like a big Midwest athletic director name. I think he is at Iowa state. 
maybe it's not him, but somebody like that, there's no reason you can't at least knock on, on that door. And I would think the person might be a little bit interested. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with you that I would, you know, based on what you laid out, I, I mean, the fact that Nebraska, even though they kind of took the COVID hit like everybody else did, I think for the most part, you know, Nebraska financially is in a pretty good spot. I mean, it's a big 10 job in a market where you don't have to compete with pro teams. You, you know, you kind of look at what you have, what you're walking into, right? Like you have a still new shiny downtown arena. You have Memorial stadium, um, which is in a good spot. Like you said, you've already got the, the ceremonial shovels on the ground and now you've got actual dirt being moved um, for a giant football facility uh, with most of the fundraising done for that. Um, so it seems like a lot of the heavy lifting from, you know, that point of view is done. Obviously, you know, you have a football program that's underachieved um, the last three seasons and maybe that gives somebody pause. I think sometimes Nebraska can be, a little bit of a difficult place for somebody who is not experienced with Nebraska, if that makes sense. Like oh, there's yeah. a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that, you know, I, I think sometimes takes some time to learn. And that's not to say that the only candidates that Nebraska entertains are people with Nebraska connections, because I don't think that at all, but that's a, I think a realistic concern for a potential candidate is, you know, what, what are you kind of walking into from a, you know, donor point of view, you know, big money type stuff. I mean, th those things are unique to the AD chair. Um, but it, it seems to me from my basement to be a very good, uh, <laughs> a, you are a, in your basement. Actually. I, I am a basement, uh, a very good job. Um, we'll see yeah. what the, what, the, what it looks like, but it, it, the the timing of everything, um, you know, the the speed with which Bill Moose, um, air quotes, decided to retire, mm -hmm. um, would lead me to believe that Nebraska feels like they have a job that's going to be coveted. And you know, I I'm not expecting like tomorrow uh, to have a name of who the next AD is, but. I think it's a, a job that you should not probably have too much difficulty finding somebody that's extremely qualified, which is funny because you actually look at the resumes. If you did like a blind resume test for who Nebraska has hired as an AD, um, the last few hires, I mean, they've, they've gotten people with power five experience and, and, people who are well thought of in the business. So mm -hmm. I have no reason to believe that that won't be the case this time around either. I don't, when it comes to whatever legacy you talk about with ADs, I don't think Moose, I know he had shortcomings. I do, but I don't think he's ultimately going to be a guy who Husker fans are going to think poorly of. And the reason is like you kind of mentioned earlier, he hired exactly who everybody wanted. And so even if football doesn't get off the ground with this staff, I wouldn't fault Bill Moose for that. Like I, I get a kick out of people who are like, well, you hired this coach. Okay. He hired the person 97% of the people thought was a great hire. And I, they, it still could be, but I'm not going to penalize a guy for, for succeeding at getting that guy here, even if it, it doesn't work out win loss wise. 
Um, the other part of it is uh, he did go that he got the AD back in front of the people again, which you have to give him some credit for because I course obviously didn't do that. And that was something people didn't like about him. And maybe to a fault, he, he saw some issues that some people think are minor, but he realized this is a sort of weird Nebraska quirk that I have to embrace like the black Friday game. Like, I mean, we can crack about that, but that was one of Icor's undoing at the end, you know, right. when he messed up that black Friday thing. I mean, that contributed to it. So, uh, and also he didn't go on his own path. Like I course went his own way and made a gamble and hired his own guy. Um, that nobody was thinking about just like Steve Peterson did with Bill Callahan. And so for those reasons, I, I just don't think there's going to be the same level of animosity uh, after we step away from it. I think people are just going to be like, well, he kind of was a bridge to this big moment for whoever's next. Yeah. I mean, it, it's three and a half years. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's not that long. Um, not only historically for athletic directors at Nebraska, but, I mean, when you think, you know, in the timeline of an athletic department, I mean, three and a half years is just a blip on the radar. Yeah, that's but but that's also why I'm not going to get it, get caught up in the, oh, here's another big drama in Husker land with this one. I just I feel like he was always going to be a bridge. And so we can bring back quotes from 20 years ago and, you know, put all this stuff together about, oh, it's always been been a mess for a few decades i just don't think it really this one fits in there like some of the others but that's just my take um this is a huge hire i mean they got to get this right and so uh if it takes a few extra weeks i would take a few extra weeks with it but um i i think they'll it'll get done in july i just i just i don't know i thought at the beginning of the week it might happen this week but i don't think that's going to happen all right. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thinking it'll probably happen the day of Schaefer's wedding. That that's my, my prediction <laughs> on a Saturday New, news is going to break on a Saturday that the, the, the yeah. white smoke will appear just as, uh, our boy, Mike is walking down the aisle. That's I'll my to, prediction. I'll have to step away from the turntable. <laughs> that's going to be really disappointing. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Guys, I'm just I'm just gonna play play Sublime's Forty Ounces of Freedom in, in in completion. I'll be right back. You'll get Weezer's Blue Album and you'll like it. <laughs> you'll dance the, the sweater take, song. The sweater song yeah. is your first dance as husband and wife. You take your car to work. I'll take my board. You dance to that. <laughs> that's your first. That's your first song with your bride. <laughs> Anyhow, um, yeah, that could happen. Now yeah. that I think about it, that's probably how it's going to go. That's that's the leader in the clubhouse. All right, should we uh, take a Get quick break? Of- we'll play. We'll pay some bills, and then we will uh, kind of rehash June. June was a it was a busy month. Yeah. So let's we'll talk we'll, about June. We'll talk a little June, and then uh, we'll we'll be right back in uh, in just a second here. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, 
feels like, or looks like, the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride-or-die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Brian Christopherson, joined by Michael Brunts. Schaefer's doing some uh, last-minute wedding stuff, and we understand um and we will be glad to go to that wedding i you know what right now we're doing this on a uh tuesday night and mississippi state's playing vanderbilt mississippi state's baseball uniforms are sweet i think like like road, i love their home ones and their road ones i think they have that kind of v-neck if i'm i know their road ones sort of have that v-neck but they some would maybe say they're a little softball-ish but i like them i think they're clean the uh as much crap as adidas takes for and deservedly so for fairly lousy alternative jerseys and football they they hit the mark with baseball jerseys i think yeah. for the most part um is it they're they're still an adidas school right i think so i didn't see what yeah. the i didn't see what the hopefully my dog doesn't bark there's dogs walking by ronnie ronnie he's good all right so june um has come and gone for the most part um recording this on june 29th um we're officially back in the dead period for football recruiting what what did you make of nebraska's efforts i guess in this month and setting up what will be a very small um for the most part 2022 class um but you know kind of the I guess the big flourish of action after more than a year off because of COVID. I think if you had said on June 1st, uh, how many did they get? Five or six? They had six? Uh, they got six in the month, sitting at seven total as we head into July here. So they got Androff, Applegate, um, Ashton Hayes, Grant Page, Richard Torres. Um, I, I, I think you'd say that's good. I mean, for a class that we know is going to be, uh, a little smaller in scale, that number is a moving target. Uh, you got your QB. That was the first big thing, but I assume they would, but you, you sort of needed to check off that box. And then, uh, you know, a, a, a good local target, like I'll use Applegate as the example. He was one of the first guys they brought in for a workout. Cause they, you know, and I think it really showed to him how much he was wanted. And the next day he Applegate goes up to Minnesota and gets an offer from them. 
And I'm not saying if Nebraska had waited and offered him that he would have ultimately picked the Huskers. But I think he's an example of being really strategic with like, this is, this is an in-state guy who we've sort of ranked him a little bit, uh, who we want to see first. And uh, we need this guy. We want this guy on board. And uh, it worked out. I mean, that was a good example of sort of planning your first workout um, June 2nd or whatever, and then it paying off. So I think that was a kind of a good start to the month. Um, even though it took him a couple of weeks to decide. And then the QB, obviously, Torres. What, what stood out to you, though, uh, as you go through thinking about it? Yeah, I think when I kind of reflect back on what Nebraska did in June, I mean, I, in addition to the, the additions of 2022, you also had uh, Gunnar Gatula um, jump in the 2023 yeah. class, um, which I think is shaping up to be a potentially very strong class for Nebraska based on early offers, early interest, um, you know, kind of who they've been able to, to get on campus and really start to build relationships with. They, they're sitting at two commitments in that class uh, with Ben Bramer and now Gunnar Gatula, both in-state guys. Um, but, you know, I, I think that was an important one. Tyreek Johnson um, was another um, big one to come out in, in June as well um, as a guy that can help you immediately, a former five-star defensive back at Ohio State. I think what Nebraska did was, you know, that they obviously are operating under the assumption that this is going to be a very small class in the teens. Um, you know, the very few spots left, you, you've got some guys making decisions in July who I think are towards the, the top of Nebraska's wish list who are on campus for official visits during this month, but they were able to get quite a few 2023 guys uh, of note on campus, um, not only through, um, some of the just unofficial visits, um, but also uh, they, they had the, the, the barbecue event um, in the middle of the month, which some of the higher priority regional guys were able to make it to, uh, which I think is important. And kind of saying, okay, you know, we, we've got this working group over here in 2022 with these guys and, you know, guys are making decisions and we're going to, you know, carry some of those guys in, into July, but also working ahead and saying, you know, these, these are in-state guys who are um, really important and, you know, kind of starting to make some, some headway. I mean, as, as much as, you know, 2022 is going to be a rough month or a rough recruiting year for Nebraska and state, because you, you've got a lot of the, the top ranked guys going elsewhere. I do think that 2023 has the potential to be really important for Nebraska and, and really fruitful. Um, because of the fact that they've offered early, um, you know, and, and really, even though you haven't been able to get guys to campus unofficially until June 1st, they've got pretty strong relationships with a lot of those guys. They sort of walk that medium balance of actually having some official visits in June, but also like, we're not going to use them all up. We're going to obviously save some for the fall, which is interesting because I was, I noticed somebody put out on social media, Clemson didn't have any, right? Like Clemson didn't have any official visits all month and Ohio state had like 40. I, I saw the comparison yep. between the two power programs and it just went to show you like what a, what a fascinating time this is in recruiting that strategies of two of the top four programs in the country could be so vastly different for the month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's no, 
there's no manual on how to do pandemic recruiting. And I think yeah. everybody's kind of figuring it out themselves. And, you know, the, the other part of it too, that, you know, is also a part of that is, you know, you, I think you're going to have teams that are going to be a little bit more cognizant of their numbers based on what's in the transfer portal. I mean, you've got a lot of guys that are taking advantage of this, you know, one-time transfer. And I think that's going to have to be, um, you know, a piece of the strategy for a team like Nebraska, where almost like in basketball, it's like, if you don't, if you don't get these guys the first time around, at least you're, you're an option for some of these guys the second time around um, as transfers. And I I think that's got to be part of what Nebraska does. Um, It's unfortunate for high school guys, because, you know, those are scholarships that are are not going to be there necessarily, but um you know, I, I think, you know, Nebraska having or bringing in a guy like Tyreek Johnson is a good example of, you know, a guy that was buried on the depth chart at Ohio State, um, which is nothing to feel bad about. Um, you know, maybe a change of scenery and, and an opportunity here in Lincoln uh, is what he needs. But um, that, that kind of how that plays out going forward, I think, is, is also going to be interesting to watch because I, I do think a lot more schools are going to kind of take more of a basketball approach in some ways to, to the way that they recruit and the way that they allocate spots. Yeah. And speaking of that, it was, I, I heard Fred Hoiberg speak in, uh, I guess it was Grand Island during the big red blitz tour. And it's really interesting to hear him talk about the portal, you know, because I do think in Nebraska in particular, a lot of fans and, and some of media, sort of have this like uh you can we kind of complain about the portal like it's like what what's this doing and all this fred hoiberg takes a much different outlook of it he doesn't praise it or complain about it he just accepts like this is how it is like and i'm from i came from the nba where sometimes you would get four guys traded onto your roster and they were new to you and you had to play them that next day and so this is like nothing to him you know like um, dealing with the portal and also he used it at Iowa state to, to bring in like four guys who got that program up and running in like a year or two where they were competing with Kansas and Texas. And then that allowed them maybe easier to do in basketball than football. Cause it's smaller roster, but it then allowed them to go, they had the cement kind of set and then they could go after some four year guys that kind of actually complemented the portal guys. And it was just interesting to hear his, his outlook on it. And uh, he does not run from it. He runs to it, uh, sort of. And, and I, I kind of like that. Well, I think it's – well, I mean, previously, I mean, if you needed immediate help, I mean, you, you would go to a junior college and try to find a guy that you could plug in and play. And, you know, some places that works great. Other places it doesn't. I mean, you know, guys are in, in junior colleges for a variety of reasons. And guys go into the portal for a number of reasons. I mean, maybe it's a, a bad fit or there's a coaching change or, you know, a, you know, so, something that was promised didn't pan out or, or something. Um, you know, it, it's, it's still on schools to do their homework as much as they can, um, you know, about guys. And certainly, you know, guys that enter the portal, there's some of them that already know where they're going to go. I mean, in the portal, there's a specific line that says do not contact. And in that case, a guy probably already knows where he's going to transfer to, but um, 
you know, it, it is the reality of the situation. I think you can find help um, and, and help that's maybe, you know, been through power five programs and knows what it takes like a Tyreek Johnson to have success. So, you know, Nebraska still has the one scholarship for the, this coming for a guy that would be eligible this year. We'll see kind of how that pans out. You're kind of now in July and I don't know if you're going to find a ton of guys that help you maybe, but um, maybe best available at that point. But I, I, you just kind of have to embrace it because that's, that's where college athletics is now. And it's, I agree with you. I think sometimes the framing of it from a fan perspective is, is okay, well, a guy, a guy left cause he's quitting or there's, you know, some, something wrong emotionally with a guy that goes into the portal or, or something. And that's just not always the case. Um, yeah. I mean, Samori Torrey is a good example of that where sometimes the guy's just looking for more playing time, a better opportunity, and that's the way to get it. Yeah, he wants to show that he can do it in a Power 5 league um, after doing it in the FCS. Then you've got other guys like Isaiah Stalberg types um, who they would probably, for understandable reasons, maybe always be like a special teamer or a second or third team guy on the depth chart, but they could go to an FCS program and they can be a three or four year starter. And uh, we've also seen that I don't think the NFL differentiates as much anymore between talent in the FBS and FCS when they're looking at, you know, they don't care where that guy came from, if he's got the good. So um, there are all sorts of reasons. Frost point a few weeks ago is also well-made that there's, there are all, there's also this section of it of guys who I think assume that they're going to go to a similar spot, like sort of, they, mm-hmm. there's actually this group of guys who think like they're going to go from a power five program to another power five and they're, they're in for a rude awakening. Um, that definitely happens unless you're like a Tyreek Johnson type. And I mean, back to Tyreek, I'm, I'm really interested where he fits. Cause it, you're talking about a guy who I think he was ranked like number 21 among all recruits in that class. If mm-hmm. I remember right by 24 seven sports, that might make him like the highest rated is, is he who's been higher than that for Nebraska? Has anybody? Not not in a while. Um, say Wandale, Wandale, I believe, and uh, Turner Corcoran might have been right on the cusp. Maybe Tyjon yeah. Lindsay also in that conversation, but they were still in the 40s um, and mm-hmm. a little bit lower too. So where's a guy like that who was at Ohio State? Where does he match up? or fit with the talent that uh, Nebraska currently has a corner, which isn't bad. Um, Quinton Newsom, I think is going to be tough to beat out at the one spot opposite Cam Taylor Britt. And then, you know, Braxton Clark wants to have his say and Nadab Joseph. So that's, that, that's going to be really, he'll be a real interesting storyline to fall camp. Just if he can jump into the two deep and, you know, maybe even push a guy for push Quinton or somebody for a starting job. We'll see. Anything else from June that we need to hit on that has not uh, that we've not hit on yet, aside from the fact that we are 36 hours away from Bobby Bonilla Day on July 1st? You're gonna cash <laughs> that check. How much does he get? A little over a million bucks, I think. When does it expire? When does that deal end? I think he's got like 20 more years. <laughs> that's that's good. good. For- that that's mailbox money. 
that it just shows up. So, but anything else? No, no. I remember Bobby though, when he was with the pirates and uh, Barry Bonds and they lost that game to the Braves in the NL championship game seven and Sid Bream. Sid Bream. Do you remember him? Oh yeah. He was very slow, but he beat a plate of the plate and then won the game as the Tomahawk chop was going on. And I was, I couldn't stand the Braves. It made me so mad. Sid Bream had, from what I recall, a, a very, uh, a very impressive mustache, right? Yeah, I think he did. Um, sort of in an era when the mustache was going out of style a little bit too. Yeah. But he, he stuck with it. So good for him. Well, happy Bobby Bonilla day to all the listeners. And uh, they should, before that though, they should come to Husker 24 seven, read up on everything we've got. We've got, well, quite a bit. Um, the 80 search is obviously ongoing. We're going to start previewing some teams, some Husker opponents um, in the meantime. And we've also got a deal for, well, how long's the deal go? Uh, 24 hours. So whenever Bobby Bonilla day officially begins, the deal ends. So okay. um, get in before Bobby Bonilla day, but uh, two months of VIP access to Husker 24 seven for a dollar. Um, so smoking deal, a better deal than Bobby Bonilla is getting. And not quite, but <laughs> no, not quite, but um, so, so jump on that in the next 24 hours, got some other stuff on the site. One of Nebraska's, top targets in the 2023 class has set a decision date of Ooh. note. So a little tease there, but Ooh. Ooh. Uh, lots going have on. To come and see it. Yeah. Lots, lots going on on the site. So get there. That'll get you through fall camp right up to the week zero opener with Brett Bielema and the fighting the line eye of Illinois. 